Hi, I'm Simon Hill, and you're watching Purebred Reds, Adelaide United Fan TV. Hi, I'm Daniel Mullen, former Adelaide United player and Asian Champions League winner with Western Sydney Wanderers. When it comes to any of my soccer needs, I do my shopping here at Soccer Locker. An Australian owned and operated business, the store is located at Shop 5 of 181 to 183 Grange Road, Finden. Founded in 2017, Soccer Locker was introduced into the market to fulfil all the soccer related needs of Australians, providing a huge range of quality clothing and equipment ranging from soccer balls, team kits, goalkeeper gear, accessories and much more. Recently arrived stock also includes stunning retro kits from some of our favourite past eras as fans of the world game. Soccer Locker is a specialist in Premier Range Boots, Adidas and Puma, goalkeeper gear and licensed merchandise. Visit us online at www.soccerlocker.com.au with free delivery Australia wide. So get shopping now at our Finan store, open from 10am to 5.30pm from Monday to Friday and open Saturdays from 9am to 3pm. G'day guys and welcome to the Purebred Reds Adelaide United Fan TV coming to you tonight with a preview of our elimination final this Sunday, Brisbane Raw versus Adelaide United and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome back an inaugural Adelaide United player championship winning assistant manager and of course now the assistant of the greek national team it's his second appearance on the show delighted to have him back michael valcanis our very own how are you doing hello mate no happy to be back too and uh, yeah really good really good always happy when uh, you come back from camp and you've had really extremely good performances and uh, good results so always happy uh, and uh, now we've got a bit of time off until september where the qualifiers start again of course the euros are on so everyone's a little bit excited, especially here in Europe, about having summertime and, and the Euro. So all good. You very much have your eyes cast towards the upcoming World Cup qualifiers that will resume in September. So just tell us briefly how it's all been going for you. Obviously, uh, a dream job that you're in with John Van Schip, the, uh, the head coach there. Um, tell us how it's been. We, we last spoke to you 12 months ago. Uh, so just tell us how you've been faring in that time, Michael. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's been an interesting last 12 months, obviously, with, with COVID all over the world and the way we've had to go about our football with, with no crowds and, and obviously, you know, going into camp and all the all the, the, the different ways you've got to prepare in terms of, of COVID and so on. But look, it's it's been a good 12 months uh, and we've had really good results and we've played some good football, apart from probably we weren't happy with, with our game against Georgia and Greece where we drew one all. And in terms of performance, we probably weren't uh, up there as we have been in all the other games in, in terms of the style of football and the attacking play that we wanted. But that happens in football. And um, overall, we've been really happy. We're unbeaten, uh, playing good football, good attacking football, and you know matching it with, with teams such as Spain and, and Belgium, which has been fantastic. But for us now, you know, we, we had uh, two... Very important uh, friendly games, obviously, recently with, with Belgium and Norway. And we, we purposely picked tough opponents to prepare ourselves for September, which we've got very two very strong games. One in Kosovo, uh, in Kosovo, which is not going to be easy. And they're a very good team. A lot of people underestimate them. Uh, and, of course, Sweden in Sweden. And they're very two important games for us in terms of moving forward for World Cup qualification. So... It's all been good. Uh, it's been uh, interesting 
and it's been a great experience for me personally in terms of uh, helping put you know all this together and working with, with John. So we're looking forward to September. Bit of a break now, but uh, you know football starts very quickly. And of course, uh, we've got some of our opponents in the Euros, so there's there's still a lot of scouting to do while watching those games, and and then obviously preparation for a lot of team starts early and a lot of friendly games. So we'll be right back uh, to work. Uh, scouting our players and, and opposition very shortly. Rightly, as you say, football never sleeps. Uh, but as for today, we're here to preview uh, a game between Adelaide United and Brisbane Raw elimination final in the A-League. Obviously, you are a club legend. Uh, so we want to talk all things Adelaide United momentarily. The game kicks off 2.35 on Sunday at Dolphin Stadium. No squads at the time of filming. Of course, guys, make sure to catch the game on Fox Sports or KO Sports. Michael, uh, just getting into things, I want to ask you, uh, Adelaide United, a two-all draw against Western Sydney. Had United won this game last week, uh, they would have ensured that they had a home final. So it was very disappointing that they weren't able to get it done, particularly in front of our home fans here in Adelaide. Um, obviously, a, a result that you know we'd expect better of this team. I, I don't think, I think it's fair to say that uh, on the whole, Adelaide United really perform when it comes to the big occasions and to not get a result was disappointing. But Carl Viet, your ex-teammate, seems to be fairly optimistic about a trip on the road to tackle Brisbane Raw. What did you make of the result? And uh, have we really let an opportunity slip here, do you think? Look, I, I agree a little bit with Carl. And uh, that's not a coach supporting a coach, but I think they've had a really good season. They've got a very young team and, and Carl's done an extremely good job together with Ross Aloisi. So, you know, I think it's just get behind them. It's it's finals games and it's completely different games to your normal league games, your normal season. So everyone has to get behind them. Yeah, of course, it is disappointing uh, and not getting a home final, but that's football and that's going to happen. And, it, it, you know, sometimes supporters take it for granted and they, they think it's very easy. You're just going to get results. You're going to get the win. The boys, the coaches, obviously want to go out on the park and get that win. There's no doubt about it. And... Uh, it didn't happen. It's football. They've had a really good season. You've got to be optimistic you know, and look at the season they've had with a young squad. And it's finals football. And I'm sure that Carl and Ross will really get them fired up and, and raring to go in, in this finals game, which is not going to be easy, obviously, in Brisbane against Brisbane. They've always been a tough opponent for us there. And they've had a, a really good season as well. But you know, I, I trust in the guys doing a good job. And uh, I've seen a few games. I've seen a few live games uh, uh, this season. I've watched the boys. And look, when, they, when they're playing well and they're firing, they're capable of, of achieving a win like this away from home. So I'm, I'm optimistic. And I know the, um, the coaches and the players will be ready enough for this. They've had a good season. So there's nothing like playing finals football. We know that. And, and the boys will be really look, be looking forward to it. I think you've just inspired us all with those words there. I want to ask you about Tommy Juric. You had plenty to do with him back when he had his first stint here uh, back in 2013. You were the caretaker manager at the time when we signed him. Um, now, he's had a bit of an indifferent season. He's been scoring goals, but he's had an inconsistent kind of time of it. He's uh, had picked up a few injuries as well. A few fans getting on his back too, just because of the nature of some of his performances. I think, uh, you know, it doesn't help that he's a really different player to the likes of Cassini Yangi. Obviously you've got someone in Yangi who's youthful, presses constantly. Juric just isn't that kind of player. And that seems to uh, kind of underwhelm some fans. 
but he has scored goals uh, when it's counted at times this season too. Now, is Carl Veer almost forced to pick him on Sunday because he went with Al-Hassan Toure to start with uh, last week. It didn't really work. Cassini's still injured, so he doesn't really have any other options. And for Tommy Juric, it feels like he, he kind of really needs to come in and own this moment. Do you think it, it all rests on on him starting Tommy Juric, Carl Viet, that is? Well, Carl will know a lot better whether he needs to start him or not. And, it, you know, depending on his uh, tactics and his strategy and what he likes in the strike and what he wants, uh, obviously the two different types of strikers. But in games like these, geez, you need a bit of experience. And I'm not saying that you wouldn't like the youth and the speed of the youth and so on, but experience does count a lot. And... Tommy Hurich, as you said, has has scored some goals in, in important moments this year. So, look, I'm pretty sure Carl will make the best decision possible for the club in in one of the biggest games at the moment this season. So, um, he'd be looking closely at you know how they're performing at training, uh, how they're looking. Because finals football is different. You can't just go by uh, a season and where the where a player's been at. You'd really be looking at the mentality this week and how they're going at training and uh, and obviously how they're feeling. And that little bit of experience can help a lot to a very young team. And I think uh, we, as supporters, you can tend to get really excited with a lot of the good results that came in early with a young team, but you're going to have your ups and downs. And that's where, like I said before, you've got to really get behind them. And experienced players will help you know, in the, in the crunch moments. And I'm sure, like I said, I think the coaching staff will make the right decision, whatever's best for, for the team on the day. They're a little bit up close and personal with them and they know a little bit better than us, especially me being on the other side of the world. So um, I'm backing in on, on what they're doing, the job they've done, and, and hopefully they get us over the line. I don't think this is a stretch at all, but uh, I'm pretty certain you kind of played a big part in getting Tommy Juric on the map. Uh, obviously, he was unknown before he came to us when uh, you were in charge. And uh, we really started to see the best of him in that season when uh, we were not at our best, but he most certainly was at his best. Uh, what, what do you kind of make of him as a player? And would we be wise to make sure we try to keep him going forward? Yeah, look, he, it was interesting when we brought him uh, and how we, we scouted him and we found him and we needed a striker at the time and we brought him in and, and I think he scored. Uh, not on his, maybe on his second appearance, it was. Um, look, he's got qualities, okay, but of recent and in the last few years, had his uh, his injury concerns and so on. He's had a few ups and downs, and it's always tough as a player. And again, you know, he's he's come to find Adelaide home, but to try and find that uh, consistency again, and it takes time. Sometimes, you know, he's been away from home for a long time. Uh, he's a he's a good striker. He's capable of scoring goals. He's capable of bringing players into play. He's strong up front to hold up the ball and, and so on. Look, when he plays he, and he plays well, he can make a difference. Uh, Tommy's a good player and I think he, he's good for the A-League and he can really help the A-League and, and help Adelaide United. So uh, he just needs, I think, under Carl Vitt's guidance, being a striker himself, he, he will help him. But... Everything takes time and we need to be patient sometimes and it's it's not so easy. You can't just shake a magic wand and, and it happens. Uh, we're dealing with people and we have to be patient. I tend to agree. We'll move on. Uh, Dolphin Stadium. Now, this is really, in my opinion, helped Brisbane Raw this season, relocating to this small, tight, uh, hostile ground that they've been playing out of. From your playing days and your coaching uh, time here as well, you obviously went to Suncorp. Um, t 
tell us how how much of a difference do you think it's made for Brisbane playing out of this this smaller ground? Because I dare say, you know, and, and our record goes to show that at Suncorp, um, you know, it didn't it wasn't as advantageous to Brisbane as this new ground seems to be. So, uh, you know, are we in danger, particularly given the the only result we've had there this year was that three one battering? Uh, and how much do you think Dolphin Stadium has uh, played into the hands of Brisbane Raw this season? It obviously has. It's uh, it's obviously helped their team and uh, the atmosphere and the supporters getting behind them and how they feel playing on that park. The Suncorp, I used to love being Suncorp as a player and even as a coach. It's a tremendous stadium. But as Adelaide United going to Suncorp, I can remember a lot of times, if I may say, we stole the results from there. You know, we, we get really good results as Adelaide United from there and had some really, really good performances in there. Uh, and so... You know, Dolphin Stadium probably plays into the hands of, of Brisbane a little bit more. Um, I don't know why that happens, but sometimes even as a player, there's some stadiums that you just love playing at and you feel enormous confidence going to these stadiums knowing that I'm just going to play well as a player and we're going to win. Um, uh, and the Greeks have even got a word for it, but obviously, you know, of, a, of a, I'm speaking Greek now, but uh, of, a, of a ground. But, but it's interesting, you know, it's interesting. And uh, yeah. It's going to be an interesting final. It's going to be a good final because Brisbane are, are, are a young team as well. and Brisbane have always been up there. They've got extremely good talent in Australia. A lot of talent comes out of Brisbane. So it's, it's going to be a, a great finals game. But look, like I said, it's a finals game. So whatever happened during the whole season just goes out the window to the, the truth. And, and I know that firsthand in the A-League as well with Adelaide United um, in the first and the second seasons, the inaugural seasons uh, of the A-League where... You know, we, we had tremendous seasons in both seasons. Mm. And one season finishing second, I think, was the first season. And the, the following season, we were world champions, uh, premiers. And, you know, the finals, we didn't do that well and we fell out. So it's a completely different ball game, the finals. And whether they play well at the Dolphin Stadium or not, if our boys are, are ready to go and pumped up and play the football they can, yeah, anything's achievable even away from home in Dolphin Stadium. It's interesting to hear you say that sometimes players just can't seem to uh, explain why the stadium impacts so much. But uh, again, we'll move on. Uh, there's a rumoured player exodus on the cards at Adelaide United. We've just seen yesterday, Australia time, uh, your great mate's son, Don Costanzo, the son of uh, fellow legend Angelo Costanzo, sadly depart just one season in. Um, he'll pursue uh, another opportunity. But uh, there's rumours that Moroni, Kiddo, and uh, various others, Nathan Constantopoulos even, which would be extremely brutal, many fans feel. Um, there's there's rumours they'll all be off, uh, Michael. Are we wise to be doing this in this COVID climate where uh, signing players is hard enough, particularly when they're not Australian? Look, I, I, look, I don't know exactly if the players... Uh, if the club wants the players to leave or if the players are, are choosing to move on. And during this COVID period, it is tough. And uh, players are always looking for an outlet uh, and to pursue maybe somewhere they think their career can be a lot better. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how the players are thinking. I'm not in there to know how the players think and how the club's thinking, but I'm pretty sure that um, the club will do the utmost best 
to to keep the majority of the squad and and, and Carl would be working behind the scenes, I can imagine. Uh, and it's tough uh, during finals uh, to be having these conversations as well with, with players because you're you're trying to prepare them mentally for a final, and also on the back of their head, it's in the back of the head of the coach as well. It's uh, are we staying? Are they staying? They're not staying. Are they going? Do they want to stay? And that, that can affect performance as well. And it's not a great time that this sort of stuff does come up. To be quite honest, uh, but I guess that's part of management now, and they're going to have to uh, really manage that situation. The players are fully focused for the game, and, and hopefully, work is done behind the scenes to to keep the players that the club obviously believes they need moving forward, and to build on a season again, which I'm going to say was quite positive. You know, people can be very negative because people get very excited very early on, and. Again, I'm going to say with a young team who's done extremely well, and it, it takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. That's the truth. And you know, sometimes we, we feel that here as well, even with the with the Greek national team. It takes time. And with 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 every job, whatever you do, you need patience, you need hard work, and you need to just keep moving on and keep building, building, building. And that's what is required now at Adelaide United. Not uh, uh, to have any sort of negativity towards you know, not having a home final or or, you know, if, if things don't go too well in the, in the fine. It's about being positive and moving forward and building on what you've done. And, again, I still think that we're going to get through this this game and, and have a positive result. So, uh, yeah, it, they're going to have to work endlessly. I went off track a little bit behind the scenes to try and keep as many players as possible because one of the biggest problems in the A-League is the, the turnover and the change in the amount of players season in, season out in clubs and, and the teams that are stable and continually do well, the ones that don't have so much of an exodus. So it's important to to keep, you know, as many as you can every year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Carl Viet, how does he approach this game? Obviously, we're on the road. I actually believe that we've been better away from home a lot this season because I think playing away from home suits this team more, uh, relying on our young, quick players uh, in transition, particularly later on in games on the road has worked well for us this season. I think when there's expectation at home to play a certain way, that tends to sometimes undo us a little bit. So bearing that in mind, how do you think Carl Viet, and you know him well, you spent plenty of time around him in dressing rooms. How will he, uh, with the coach that he is today, be planning to uh, approach this game? Oh, look, Carl is an attacking coach. He was an attacker himself and he'll want to, he'll want to, you know, score goals and win the game. Obviously, we've seen the season with his approach. Um, yeah, look, it'll be interesting. Uh, finals game, away from home. Um, we'll use that speed uh, and play a little bit more on the counter, play a little bit more safe, or, you know, will he go all out, attack? I'm not too sure. Uh, it, again, it depends. He, he knows a little bit better than me, being day in, day out in the A-League involved with his team and with, with against, you know, and knowing the opposition well. I'm pretty sure he will have done his homework, mate. And together with Ross to make sure that it's one of the biggest games of the season for them. Let's not joke about it. And, you know, it might not be the grand final, but you want to remain in the finals. And every game is a grand final now. So I'm pretty sure he'll prepare him and have the right strategy uh, according to who he feels should be playing and starting the game and so on. And, and working his game model and his uh, tactical approach around the plays is going to start. So... Um, but I, I bet he'd go attacking. He's an attacking person by nature and I'm pretty sure we want to see goals.
Really well said. Um, let's talk about a player who you came out and endorsed very recently on social media. He's been an absolute standout all season long in the A-League. You spent plenty of time seeing his development too. That's Ruan Tonic. Um, obviously, you spent time with him at Melbourne City. You would have seen him coming up at Adelaide United too. Is he the ideal player for us to go after considering the strong rumours that Jordan Elsey will be departing? Look, uh, you're, you're talking to a fan of Ruan. So I'd say yes, straight away. Uh, yeah, I love I love Ruan. I love the way he plays. Uh, I love the way he played when he was 15 and he came to the youth. Uh, a boy like that is, you know, with the capabilities of running out with a ball from defence and, and taking on attackers. And, and you know, when, when we first brought him in, and I remember with Ange, he wasn't, Ruan wasn't the greatest of defenders, but he could play on the ball. And he was just like, sometimes for me, I, I love it. I used to love watching him run out from defence and we wanted to build up from the back and so on. And he's a boy that with confidence, he can he can do really good stuff on the ball. And, and over time now, he's developed his defensive game because, you know, he was a defender, but we used him more as our first attacker, really building up. And I think now watching some of the games that I've seen him play, even his defensive game has gone to another level. He's uh, playing a lot smarter, positioning himself well and, you know, winning the ball and being able to carry it out of defence or play it out of defence. He's a very good player. He's a very good player, a humble boy. I absolutely love him. And, you know, I'd love to see him one day back at the Reds. There's no doubt about it because that's where he started and he'd be nice. But, you know, I'd love to also see him go overseas. Mate, I'm, I'm sorry to say that because I think he can make the step now going overseas. And look, there's a few boys from, from that team that that have done extremely well now in the A-League. And even Bruce Camus now is finding himself again yep. after the Melbourne City move. And he's having a good last part of the season. And hopefully he too makes the Socceroos at one stage because I think he's, he's a very good young player as well. But yeah, it'd be nice to see them both back one day at Adelaide United. Uh, I don't know about the timing. I don't know when, when's the right time. But if, if Jordan leaves, yeah, it'd be nice to bring Juan back in because he has been a standout. And I was extremely happy to learn the other day he got his debut as well and, and play. It's great because, uh, you know, being with him from 15-year-olds at the club, it, was, it's, yeah, it brings a smile to the face. And, and when I found out that morning that he got selected for the soccer, was, I, was, I was just smiling all day. It, it, was, it was fantastic. So credit to him, the way he's worked. And again, he's uh, another example of uh, to a lot of young players where there's a lot of ups and downs along the journey and you've got to keep at it. You've got to stay disciplined. You've got to keep at it, keep working at it and keep building. Whether you're an individual or a team, we've got to be patient and keep building, keep working hard. And Ryan was another example of that. And hopefully, you know, a lot of the young players at Lady United can look up to him and say, geez, he's done a great job over the years. So it's, yeah, it's been great. I answered your question. Yeah, it'd be nice to have him back at Adelaide United, but I think his next step should be overseas. I've got to say, it's great to see you speak so passionately as such a distinguished centre-back about an upcoming centre-back. I, I personally feel really vindicated to see the year that he's had because I recall watching him in the youth team um, and really being excited about him coming through. And then obviously he left, which was disappointing. But um, I remember a lot of people being like, oh, who's this kid? Um, you know, why are you so big on him? I, I remember how dominant he was watching him play in your youth team um, and uh, to see him now go on and, and, and have such an amazing season. He'll probably be in the team of the year. Um, it's really come out of nowhere, but um, 
yeah, it's exciting stuff. Hopefully, if it's not overseas, it's back home. But uh, I've got to ask you now for your prediction, Michael Valkanis, who wins this game? Okay, I'm going for Adelaide United. One goal to two. We're going to score two goals away from home. There you go, folks. Um, while I've got you here, Michael, I'm just going to quickly ask you, We've uh, one of your ex-teammates, Bruce Dutte, is departing as the director of football. The club has come out and said that uh, they'd like to appoint a South Australian to replace him. You know, of, of all the obvious names, you know, would you lean towards anyone? Oh, look, I don't know, mate. That's that's a question. I, look, I can't answer that. Um, I think Bruce has done a really good job and it, uh, it's also shown the importance of, of having uh, a real football person from within the club that knows the club well. And, you know, hearing uh, even Carl in a lot of interviews say what a tremendous job Bruce has done, how important it is for your football director to be able to work together with the coach and the coaching staff is, is really important. But, you know, Bruce also knew the ins and outs of the club, <clears throat> and that's very important uh, with Adelaide United in particular. Um, and look, I'm, I'm not sure who's if there's anyone putting up their hand now for that role. Uh, but you know, Bruce has done a tremendous job, and I think he's going to be a bit of a loss, to be quite honest. I would have loved that if he stayed on a little bit longer and kept building together with Carl and Ross, and uh, kept moving forward with with their little project that that they put in place. But yeah, it's interesting. It just just came to mind now. The very first interview we we had together. Uh, and we were talking about coaches and about which way United should go. You know, we, we spoke about having a young South Australian team. And, and, you know, credit to people like Bruce and, and Carl that they've done that because, mm -hmm. you know, people can be very critical and it can go the other way. It can go the other way very early on and, and it hasn't. They've steered it in the right direction. That's why I'm, I'm, you know, from the start of this interview, I'm saying keep building, keep supporting, be patient. And, you know, hopefully, like I said, they win 2-1 away from home now and they keep moving on in the finals. But whatever happens, it's been a really good season and a season that's been positive and to look forward to the next one. And uh, it's going to be interesting. It's a big uh, job now that they find the right person to, to replace Bruce. And that's going to, you know, make a great working combination with the coaches and with the philosophy and the way they want to see the club moving forwards is very important that they keep on that same right track that they're on at the moment. It's all about Ange Postacoglu here at the moment in Australia. Obviously, a man that you would know very, very well, a fellow Greek-Australian, uh, both at South Melbourne as, as South Melbourne legends. You've obviously uh, you know, coached against him in the A-League. You've seen him go on and, and have quite a meteoric rise in the coaching ranks. Along with you, he's really the only, the only other Australian manager overseas that... Uh, is kind of making any inroads at the moment from Australia. He's obviously just been appointed in a dream job, which uh, you yourself would know something about, being the current assistant of Greece. And to Celtic, uh, obviously you'd be watching this with a keen eye, talking about it in your circles. Uh, is this a watershed moment for coaches from Australia? Uh, 100%. 100%. No one, uh, only the Australian boys that have been here, and that have uh, come here as coaches realise how tough it is, uh, especially for Australian coaches. Not that we're not good enough, or they're not good enough. And I really believe in Australian coaches can do the job here. It's not like they've, I've said it before, they've got an extra arm, an extra leg, uh, an extra eye, and they see a lot more than us on the pitch. It's not that. And, and, you know, Australian coaches 
do spend, I think, a lot more time trying to develop themselves and learn and watch and learn because we feel we're, we're that far away from Europe. And, you know, this is a, a really good moment, not only for Ange from a personal point of view, because he deserves it. I think by far he's the best Australian coach we've ever had. Uh, what he achieved with the Socceroos, people tend to to forget, you know, he brought silverware with the Socceroos, not only with every club he's been at, but even what he did in Japan. And now I think it's it's fantastic that he gets an opportunity uh, in Europe at a very big club. And I think he's going to do tremendously well because I just think, you know, this guy has got a way of working. He's very clear with what he wants. And I don't know what it is, but whatever he touches, he wins all with. He does it with the way he works. So I'm really confident he's going to be successful and I'm confident that he's going to be uh, that inroad that opens doors to to other coaches as well that work really hard and have dreams to to work in Europe. Uh, it's, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy here. And he's done his hard yards over the years and geez, he deserves it. Geez, he deserves it because he's a great coach and he's shown that. Um, not only, for me, not only that he's won silverware, which is fantastic, but that fingerprint, that imprint of identity that he leaves everywhere is for me just what makes him so special. So, yeah, I've been I've been lucky enough to actually beat him once <laughs> with uh, against Melbourne Victory. Yep. When I was the uh, the interim coach at United, so I'll, I'll always have that to remember. We beat him one nil with uh, was it Geronimo's cross or Geronimo's goal? It was Geronimo's goal the header? All I remember is McCain having an absolute screamer of a game. Yeah, it was a great game. Yeah, it was a great game. It was a really good, really good win. You know what? I'm going to say it, and it's an opportunity to say it. We need to do something about licences because it is it is crazy what we go through here in terms of licences. And, and, you know, okay, and they, they come from overseas and they can just get jobs in the A-League and they're not necessarily... Uh, top-end coaches that can just get jobs because they've got a UEFA pro. And I, and I don't think that's fair. And, you know, there's, something's got to be done. Uh, because I don't. I, I think licences are, are extremely important and we learn a lot from it. But in the end, does that really make you or break you how good a coach you are? Of course yeah, not. I don't really understand that. And, and I think sometimes, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing with some of the Aussie coaches, what they've got to go through here. And uh, our colleagues... From Europe, go across this round and get jobs straight away. And that, that's okay, you know. Maybe that's the uh, the Mercedes of, of licenses. I don't know, but to me, it doesn't mean that you're a better coach than an Australian coach. So it's got to be something that's got to be done uh, behind the scenes that it levels it up that Australian coaches don't have this sort of problem when they go overseas. I think we we but, all agree with sorry, you. It's it- I went off track like I always do, but I think Ange, yeah, he's got to be one of the greatest if not the greatest from, from yeah. Australia at the moment. No, nah, we're all very, very excited. Uh, be honest, how long until you're on the blower about uh, a certain Greek national team goalkeeper in Budgas who is uh, currently playing at Celtic? Yeah, look, he, he was uh, he was always in our top three early on. Uh, in the last uh, six months, he's, he's fallen out of favour a little bit, and that's because he's not playing. And yep. um, he, he's had his ups and downs. At Celtic, and you know, I was thinking about it as well, whether because he was supposed to make a move now back to Greece, 
it'll be interesting now with uh, Ange going there, being Greek, obviously, um, whether he'll be more in favour, whether obviously he's going to have to do well. Huh? He's going to have to be training well. And uh, I don't want to be critical of why he wasn't picked. But yeah, again, it's going to be interesting. He's got uh, a Greek managing now. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Because it, it'd be good, obviously, for our national team as well that he's playing week in, week out at Celtic. We were very excited when he got that signing, but it, that season didn't go too well. So for Vasilis Barkas, yeah, hopefully uh, he stays on there now and he, and he gets more game time. Antipos Okoglu may just be the manager that he needs to uh, reinvigorate him. Uh, before we go, let's just talk all things Greek national team. Now, I don't know whether you're the type, Michael, that uh, buys into what fans are saying, but uh, I have to be honest with you, if you look at the algorithms on social media these days, they're actually translating everything that uh, fans are saying in different languages. So when you go and look at what the Greek fans are saying at the moment about the work you and John Van Ship are doing, you get the English translations and it is overwhelmingly positive. There's a, there's a big appetite about the fact that there's a, a clear cultural change that's happening within the Greek national team setup. Uh, so, you know, what, what's it been like over the last, however long it's been now, I think it's been a touch over 12 months perhaps that you've been in the job, but um, it's, it's, it's a massive job that you're in. Um, huge challenges, but obviously massively exciting as we've seen you uh, talk about on this podcast already. But uh, j just just go over what the journey's been like and uh, the kinds of challenges you might be experiencing in the job that uh, some of us here in Australia may not be particularly familiar with. It's actually been two years now. Two years. Wow. Two years. Two years, yeah. Um, I look, it was a long question, huh? so remind me if I don't answer some of it. Um, look, in terms of media... Let me tell you something I've learned now at this end of my career, well, it's been 10 years now that I'm coaching. I don't read the good, I don't read the bad. I'm sorry, mate. Um, you don't need to, you don't need to. Because even, you know, you're gonna have people saying good, but you're also gonna have that balance of people, you know, being critical because, you know, they support a certain team, they don't see their player in. And, and a lot of times supporters don't know what is actually happening in-house and, why certain decisions are made. And a lot of times coaches also protect uh, a lot of decisions, don't come out and say why they've been made because you, you have to protect your players and you protect your environment and so on. So I have a, a way of saying that if you are going to listen to everything that's on social media or in the media, then you might as well give up coaching and just go on the stand and watch the game because you have to be, we just spoke about Australia's greatest and I mentioned he's very clear, he knows how he works, and that's what you've got to do. You're clear with what you want, you know how you're going to put it in place, and you believe in it, and you just keep working away. And that's what you've got to focus on, the coach, not what uh, a lot of people are saying. Uh, because it can affect then the way you do your work. You've got to be fully focused on your job. And, and here, just imagine the media here. So in Australia, for example, if you've got, one newspaper writing an article or, or Fox here, there's, I don't know how many newspapers, <laughs> I don't know how many uh, websites and, and social media pages, the amount of TV shows on every channel that have got experts on it, coaching panels and so on. You wouldn't be able to keep up with everything. So there's another reason for not listening to it or reading it and so on. And they're very critical. They're very critical here. And that's what makes it uh, even 
even more difficult for coaches to, yep. to deal with. And it's part of managing and, and like I said, not really focusing that focusing on the job. So it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Look, we're, we're quite happy with the way we've been going. We've, we've made a lot of progress. I think we've made a lot of change. We've also been a little bit uh, unlucky in what sense, when you look at it, uh, qualifying for the Euros, we came in at a time where people said it's not going to happen, mm-hmm. but we turned things around quickly and we were only a step away and we could have been in the Euros now. So that was positive though. I mean, a lot of people took a lot out of that period because they saw a change in the way the team was playing, football or playing, and that we came very close to qualifying at a time when all had ended. Uh, the Nations League then went okay in terms of that we didn't finish first in our group and that was a little bit disappointing, but it was one of those games where we went we threw everything but the kitchen sink, maybe even the kitchen sink at Slovenia. And I don't think they attacked that game. And we, we showed a really good attack and display, only not to score the amount of chances we created. And you had uh, a goalkeeper from Atletico Madrid in Oblak just making some unbelievable saves. World, world-class <laughs> saves goalkeeper, mate. Right? And I think it was Greece against Oblak that night, to be quite honest, because he was he was tremendous with some of the saves he made. And when we, we used to look at some of the footage when it came, you know, to, to have a team even on the park where we, we took our central defenders, we were playing midfielders in the back, we were playing with all attacking players, and I just, it just everything we threw at them. But they defended, 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 and got away with the draw. So, but again, that was a positive. And the positive was the way we went about our football, the way we went about attacking and trying to win that game on the front foot. And it was a change in mentality of what we're usually seeing in a Greek team. And and, and now again, we're, we're sort of building. But in the last 12 months, um, we've had a few injuries to, I think, some important players that uh, make a difference also in the way we want to play our football. And uh, I, I, I really believe with this group, which I love working with, absolutely love working with, training with these guys. It also makes me miss a little bit of club football because you're not out there every day. But when we're with them, it's just amazing to work with them. Their attitude, their, the way they train, the, the, the intensity of it. Uh, it. It's great. And I think this group, the way they are at the moment, can really make things happen. Can really make things happen. And you can tell they're going to give everything to try and qualify for the World Cup. But let me tell you something, if, knock on wood, my Greeks say knock on wood, if it doesn't happen, this team will be in the next Euros for sure. It's young, it's, it's intense, it's, it's quick, it's speed, technically very good. And I, I just think they've got the future ahead of them to do really good things. And mainly because they are, they are a team. They're a team and you can see the way they run for one another. And, and Belgium and Norway, uh, two latest friendlies showed what the team is capable of. Now, okay, a bit of momentum breaks. We've got a bit of a break and we've got the two important games in September. Now's the crunch time. We Those two games, we're not denying it. They're, they're very important. We need to go and win in Kosovo and you need to win, beat Sweden here at home if you have any possibilities of making the World Cup. So, like I said before, that's why we played two really tough friendlies to prepare for that and prepare the team that they're ready for big games in September. And uh, I'm positive and optimistic, especially after these displays, uh, and especially the the way they responded after the Georgia game, because we had Spain where we performed really well in Spain against I think they are 
absolutely fantastic the way they push the ball around. I don't need to explain to anyone how good Spain is. And to get a one-all draw in Spain was, was really good for us. And then we were just disappointed with a one-all draw against Georgia and Greece. Not being disrespectful to Georgia, because Georgia and a lot of people, I don't know in Australia now, but even when I came here, you know, you speak about teams like Kosovo, Georgia, and think, come on, Greek national team. It's not like that. Yep. They're some tremendous players. Kosovo's got some great players that play in the Bundesliga. So they're tough games. And against Georgia, what we're disappointed is that we didn't play the football we want to play. We didn't play that attacking brand that we used to. And to turn that around very quickly in, in, in terms of playing against Belgium and Norway that way, it makes us you know, happy that we're on track, uh, back on track for September. So we're looking forward to it. And I'm sure this is what makes it exciting. Uh, a lot of Greeks all over the world are looking forward to it and, and just waiting to see what happens because we'd love to be at the next World Cup. I just wonder whether uh, Guillermo Moore and Josip Gombao were tuning into that uh, friendly against Spain. Uh, but Michael, the, the month of September is really the, the make or break and uh, everyone is looking so much forward to it, particularly the uh, Greek Australians here from the Greek diaspora. I just want to ask you, don't, don't roll your eyes at me, but um, the documentary King Otto, obviously celebrating the uh, historic achievement of the Greek national team in 2004, which uh, the team you now manage so famously uh, shocked the world in. Um, we're in a different era now, and I know I know you probably don't want to, and 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 everyone in that Greek setup now probably doesn't want to keep having this kind of put on them. But uh, you know, the achievement of 2004, it's now being celebrated in this world class documentary. I'm yet to see it, but the reviews are are excellent. Um, what's the kind of feeling like in Greece relating to 2004? Do people still bring it up to you? Is it still something that uh, gets passed around the corridors of the uh, the uh, the HQ there in, in the Greek national team setup? Because obviously it still feels like the other day, um, but uh, it is now such a long time ago. But uh, nevertheless, this still is the team that you're in charge of now that, that achieved this. So no. there must still be that sentiment there that people hold on to. Um, so do people kind of weigh it against Greece now and say, oh, you know, isn't it a shame that we'll, we'll never win a major piece of silverware again? Are those kinds of things ever brought into the equation? No, look, I, I think it was a tremendous achievement. I remember being in Adelaide at the time and celebrating with the rest of the, the Greeks and the Greek community because it was, it was amazing. Um, and what they achieved was, you know, when you, I've been lucky enough to deal with a lot of guys now that were part of that team. And they told me lots of stories. And they told me even leading up to the Euros, it was a, it was a disaster. And how they turned things around and how they band together to, to make it happen. How belief just kept escalating as the tournament went on. You know what I mean? And uh, Greeks are fighters, huh? They are fighters, and the one thing I know for sure, not only because I'm a Greek, but dealing now with, with, with the Greek national team, is that when you do bring them together and they get together, they can achieve amazing things. That's the whole thing. You've got to bring them together. Um, and look, Greece, okay, they, they bring it up and they talk about it. They're very proud of that day. Um, they're waiting for, the, obviously, the next achievement. Uh, and sometimes they're a little bit impatient because they, you know, <laughs> they, they do think that things can just happen with a magic wand. But um, I think that uh, a lot of the, the, the players, when they come around and our players now like to talk about it and talk to those players about it, and you can see 
Uh, and I like it. I like that the today's players like talking to the past players that won that, and they look up to them like heroes. That, you know, and, and they get advice from them. And we get the best feedback from these guys that won the Euro two thousand four. That's what makes me excited and proud of what we're doing at the name because they, they love the way this team is playing and they love the way this team is approaching the game and, and they they really believe that this team if given time can really move forwards and take Greece back up those rankings and back to where it should be and that, and, and again it takes time to do that as well uh, there's other there's other teams playing but um, yeah everyone's very proud of it and you'll see that happiness even when, when they talk about it now, even today's players. They'll talk about that moment and they'll tell you exactly where they were when that game happened, when that goal scored, when Akaristeo scored. They'll tell you exactly those players that are playing today will tell you that moment. So it just goes to show how much it meant to everyone. Um, and it just goes to show what you can achieve when you do come together as one and you fight all for one common goal. And, and that's what we're trying to build now. That's what we're trying to build. So it's, it is a moment to take some inspiration from. There's no doubt about it because it was a tremendous achievement. So, yeah, it was a – it did make a lot of Greeks, as I explained here, uh, not only Greeks living in Greece, but Greeks all over the world, very, very proud, very proud. So there's not a moment in time when the national anthem is played before a game that you don't – I don't realise and I don't think of – a lot of times, uh, all Greeks in Australia, whether in Adelaide or Melbourne or Sydney, that they probably they'll be waiting to see what the result is. They're watching the game, and and it's a real proud moment because I know I was one of those guys watching those games. So that's what we're trying to achieve, uh, my friend. That's what we're trying to get to. That you know we get to the World Cup, uh, to the next Euro, and we make Greeks all over the world proud with the football we play and give it our best go. Well, Michael Vakanis, I could talk to you all day long. You are an insightful creature, mate, uh, and a proud Adelaide United product. We wish you all the very best going forward. Uh, there's so much to look forward to regarding the Greek national team. Always great to catch up and talk about uh, your old club, Adelaide United, as well, and get your opinions on everything going on with the state of Australian football. But uh, like I said, I've taken too much of your time. You are a very busy man. Been a privilege having you on the show once again, and we look forward to speaking to you again sometime soon. You stay safe and uh, make sure your family stays safe too, and all the very best with everything going forward. Michael Balkanis. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity to speak again. And good luck to Carl and Ross. Um, important game coming up. Go Reds. And I'll be tuning in to watch as well. And uh, I'm sure the boys will, will come through this. And like I said, keep working, keep doing the right thing. They're, they've done a really good job this year and they've got to be supported. There's no doubt about it. Fantastic stuff. Enjoy the game, guys. And thanks so much for watching.